in the trailer for this podcast, I promised you that I was going to share with you all of the things that helped me heal my body from multiple sclerosis and chronic hives and crippling anxiety and digestive issues and all the things that I was going to tell you how I did that and how I then turned that multiple sclerosis into multiple six figures, into a really fun and awesome and just joyful business. And so on this episode, I am touching on the most important aspects of the healing journey and the transformational experience of overcoming something that people say is impossible to overcome or of stepping into a version of yourself that, again, most people say that that's just not going to happen. That's just not possible for you, right? Like, how does one do this? And so today we're going to be shining light on bridging belief and worthiness in the process of transformation. Welcome to the Prosperous Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Bautista, and I am so honored, excited, and happy to have you here with me. Let's get into it. Without feeling worthy or having that sense of belief, none of the other stuff matters right? And in the next episode, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the whole process in terms of like the food and the supplements and all the things, right? All of the areas that I had to explore and I'm still unveiling, right? I'm still releasing, you know, everything that I am not. So I think that's a big part of what life is about, at least for me, especially as like a detox specialist and a detox expert and a multidimensional being, a multidimensional practitioner, we must be holistic in our journey and you're not going to get very far if you're not looking at belief and looking at worthiness. And it really starts here. And this is whether we're talking about your business, whether we're talking about your reversing an autoimmune disease or any other chronic illness, right? Making big changes in your life. We have to start with bridging belief and worthiness in a new way is what I've learned. So my upbringing, I feel really blessed and really lucky because my mother really instilled a sense of worthiness in me. And I remember knowing this before I even knew like what that was, before it was even like part of my personal development, you know, professional world. A lot of people talk about worthiness and owning your worth and all of this. But when I was a child, I remember owning my worth, especially as a woman and especially with my body and my body's value and how my body is mine, right? And that it's valuable and you don't have to let anybody take it or have it, right? And it was this worthiness around my body, my physical body. And, you know, it was a way of, I think, both of my parents teaching me to keep my sexuality sacred, right, without using those words. I grew up in a Roman Catholic family. My grandfather was a deacon. You know, I went to Catholic school, K through 12. You get the picture here. And there still was this this very integrated learning of my worth and my value. And, And when I got older, I realized that not everybody had that. Not everybody had that that training or that learning. And it was one of those moments that made me feel really sad. 
that other women didn't know that. I remember realizing that when I was like in high school or maybe even even before high school, when I noticed just again with like sexuality, how the body was just being given away or used in this way that just wasn't giving it its worth. It's the value that I was taught. And so when we talk about healing from a chronic illness, and I wasn't even thinking about going there with all of that with this episode, but we can really think about what are the downloads on authority over the body? What do I believe? You know, how much authority do I believe I have? All of our beliefs have origins, just as all chronic illnesses do. They all have root causes and origins, which is, I'm so excited to get into season two in the coming months, because that's what we're going to be talking about. Chronic illness origins and autoimmune disease origins. Like, where does this stuff come from? And so when we think of the origins of worthiness and what we believe in, do we think about that? That's what I'm inviting you to do today. And in this next 20 minutes or so with me, when we talk about bridging belief and worthiness, when it comes to your business, for example, we're looking at money and pricing and value. And am I worth this? I've actually had like this, I mean, multiple people, but this brilliant client of mine who is really passionate about helping people free themselves and see themselves, you know, for who they really are. And she's done a lot of work with body image and mind-body medicine in her business growth, right? There's one thing to do this in your health as well, right? There's a whole other journey to then alchemize that and build a business around it, right? Which is what we're talking about here, right? That's basically what I did. I, I had a life of symptoms and illness and disease. I healed myself. And now I'm like out here trying to help everyone, tell everyone that you can do this too. And, and if you're someone who's like me, who's already done that, because there are many people who have healed themselves, then how do you step into that as living your dharma? Like when you feel it, when you know it, and how do you do it in a safe way? What do you believe you need in order to feel safe? in growing your business? What do you believe you need in order to hire someone to help you with your healing journey? What does your client need to believe, right? It's all about our beliefs. And then am I worth this? Am I worth this? I just signed up a new client the other day. She's amazing. I'm so excited. She was a Beachbody coach. She has like a Beachbody background and she's a health coach and she's an accountability coach and she's amazing. And I felt her readiness when she said, I am ready, right? She says, I've been trying to do this on my own. I should be able to do this on my own, but I can't. And I hate that I can't. And I resonate with you. I feel resonance with you. And I'm ready to, I'm ready, right? I believe I am ready. And so with health or with business, there has to be at least some belief in the readiness, right? You don't have to be fully ready. And, you know, Alberto Vialdo says something really amazing. He says, you don't necessarily have to wait until you're ready. You can do it as an act of courage. And so let that marinate for a moment, that you don't have to wait until that you're ready. You can do it as an act of courage. And you're not designed to do this alone. We are co-creative beings from a neurodevelopmental attachment perspective and with relationships especially, right? We're designed to partner. We're designed to partner up. So that can get in the way, right? That belief set. 
And oftentimes it's it's a receiving thing, which is deeply rooted in a worthiness issue. So we see it come up in a lot of different ways. The belief in, is this service valuable so that I can charge $2,000 for a three-month program working with me? And I bet, hell yeah, it is. If you can deliver a transformational experience and help someone see themselves in a new way, change their life and they get exponential ROI. And we've talked about different things to consider when you're putting together your packages and your programs and all of that. So then the next part of this is like the belief in possibility. What do you believe is possible for you? What does your client believe is possible for them with you? What are other people doing that is possible (laughs) just in the world? Like, what do you see that is possible? I remember when I found out when I was struggling with MS and my dad was like, yo, there's this doctor who healed herself from MS. She was all the way in a wheelchair and now she's, you know, writing books and shit. And like, she's, she's like helping other people. And I honestly didn't want to hear it at the time. You know, you're like, don't listen to your parents sometimes. Plus I was going through a really hard time. I didn't know what I wanted or needed. So then I come to find out years later, as I'm learning about functional medicine and holistic health, and I'm a health coach, and I think I actually heard her speak at some webinar or training during my health coach training beginnings, and it was Dr. Terry Walls, Dr. Terry Walls, who heals herself from multiple sclerosis, and she like straight up all the way in a wheelchair, conventional doctor, and then through food as medicine and nourishing her body and functional nutrition... She healed herself and she is up and walking and she's like got an awesome Instagram account and she's written a book and she's helping lots and lots and lots of people with her walls protocol. And so when I see that, I'm like, holy shit, like, well, my mom taught me that I'm valuable. And she also, I mean, really instilled in me too that like I can do and be whatever I want. They definitely steered us as, you know, my brothers and sisters and I in a direction. But I remember my mother being very just, I just felt like she really believed in me. And so I had that. And I'm seeing this person who healed herself. And so I'm like, okay. And then I hear about other people who have healed themselves from cancer and from all these other other things. And so that starts to expand the possibilities for me. The spectrum of possibilities starts to grow. It starts to grow and and, and have more dimensions to it. So, so there's that side of it. There's the actual possibility side of it. And then there, it, am I worth that? Am I worth that possibility? Am I worth the energy it's going to take? The education level that it's going to take? The all-in-ness to this that it's going to take, right? And for me, it was like, none of these decisions are coming from a place of logic. When I left my entire career in New York, I was like on the path to go to Columbia, get my MBA. I was, I was working at Columbia University Medical Center, probably could have climbed the ranks in the administration uh, side of things, which is where I was kind of headed. And that whole career was just making me sick. That whole career path was making me sick. And so to drop all of that, right, that experience of being like, which fear is greater and then being like, there's no fucking way I'm doing this. You know, same thing with the Western medicine stuff. When I was dealing with MS, it's like either I stay on this train wreck of a path, which is like daily injections, quarterly hospitalizations, you know, missing work and trips and and social functions you know, because you're sick, like, like all the time, that's your life now, like either that or the unknown. 
And when I see all these other possibilities now presenting themselves to me, and also I'm seeking them out, I'm finding out who's doing what, who's transforming their lives and how are they doing it? And then what are they doing next? This is when I can see, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. If they can do it, I can do it. And so that is one of the biggest bridges for myself. And I think for many people, if you can kind of just stop and pause and like maybe even take it to the mirror for a second and just see yourself and just see like you have been through some shit. You've overcome some stuff that maybe you didn't think you were going to overcome. And maybe someone else would look at your life and be like, damn, that shit, that looks really hard. And maybe they'll also look at it and be like, but you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. And I bet you would agree. And I would agree that if I can do it, you can do it. And that's also that co-creative, beautiful gift of being human is that this helps us align to possibility when we see others do things. It's, it's actually highly scientific. There have been like studies and, and you, can, you can research this. You can actually Google it really easily. I can't remember the exact term for it, but it's like someone breaks the, you know, the world record for fastest sprinter. And then other people start to break that record too. So when we link that to worthiness, right? When we link that to the worthiness aspect of things, and again, to heal, worthiness to heal. That's a big one even. And we can even, you know, it's it's something that's really often not even looked at. It's very often bypassed is that some people's worthiness lies in their illness, because there's value in that identity. They get a certain level of attention for having that illness. And this applied to me. Or you get some get out of jail free cards that are kind of valuable. I remember toward, I was a couple of years into my illness and I was a couple of years like into the whole MS thing. And a lot of my friends knew I had it. And I just like, you know, it was more public then. And I remember when I didn't want to do stuff, I would just be like, oh, my MS. And so it was like, it becomes this like crutch. And if left unchecked, it can turn into this thing that we actually assign value to subconsciously. So we want to be mindful of that, you know, of, of me hanging on to this or, or maybe even subconsciously and just getting curious. There's no judgment piece here. That's the beauty of root cause healing is that every little single bit is data and it can be objective if we let it. Worthiness to be seen. This is another big one. I can't, you know, with, with, and I, and I think I've, spoken a little bit about this already, but worthiness from health coaches and practitioners who are like, well, I don't feel like I look healthy enough to be a health coach or a practitioner. I don't feel like I look the part and I can really honor that. And I have been there and it happens for me some days as well. It happens, I think, to anyone who is, is so invested with their heart in this and also is human and has fluctuations in how they feel on the day to day. You're only getting a highlight reel out there in social media from influencers and, you know, really successful people. You don't know what's going on in the background, right? And so the best that you can do is to, again, reconnect to your beliefs in the body's innate ability to heal itself and then potentially seek out support if that's something that will help you to be seen and will help you to feel more worthiness in this process. And to receive help is a whole other thing. And so even with that, you know, the invitation is just to receive as much as feels okay. We want to be able to admit 
that this cannot be done on your own. In most cases, I would say, transformation is an inside job and it's like a co-regulatory co-creation just because that's the way humans are designed. We're designed to learn from each other, to see each other, to reflect back to one another. And that in itself helps us have new experiences of growth and resilience and social engagement. If you know anything about, if you know polyvagal theory, right? It's like the healthiest thing for the nervous system to grow and to feel more safe and resilient. And so as we bridge belief and worthiness and just even get curious about it, even when you get curious about it, you start to increase the access to belief and increasing the access to feeling worthy or to seeing how, my God, these transformations are invaluable. If I'm only charging $2,000 and that's actually what started to happen. I was just like, wow, these people are completely transforming their lives and they're getting so much value from it. And they're telling me this, right? And I need foundations. I know that I can charge more for this. I can give myself a raise. The worthiness thing and the belief thing, it shows up in in all stages of your growth and of your transformation. And if I had not had a coach to be like, you know, sell this amount of packages and then give yourself a raise and then sell this amount and give yourself a raise, I may not have been able to take those steps. So your formula for worthiness is going to be pretty specific to you. And I'm going to bet that some percentage of it is going to have to do with how you are seen and how you feel supported in community and socially in doing the thing that you love. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just something that's missed or like we're, you know, there's this whole like independence thing about and and not being codependent and not needing external validation. And I will say that the the most successful people I have ever met have a strong sense of internal validation, very strong. And they also have their mentors. So you can take mentorship, you can receive information, and then you can just take what resonates and leave the rest, right? Because you're worth that. You're worth that. And that's another way that you can start to build worthiness and self-trust is when you don't have to go all in on what other people are saying just because other people are saying it. So a couple of tools and practices that could be really, really helpful in this experience. I'll name a few and I will invite you to engage in at least one or two of them or all if you're if you're really wanting to create a bridge, you know, with belief and worthiness. Number one is a really fun art therapy exercise where you draw a picture of your inner critic. You take a moment, get a piece of paper. You can even do it right now as I'm talking. And maybe as I continue through this episode, you just grab a pen and a piece of paper. Stick figures are awesome. And you just take some time to draw your inner critic. When I drew this, I had really angry eyebrows. I had like a really kind of crooked mouth and angry, angry eyebrows, angry eyeballs. My hair was like really crazy when I drew this picture. Um, DM me, I'll send you a picture of it. (laughs) The other thing that I, that I invite there is to write the words that your inner critic is saying most often that the first things that come to mind. So when I did this, I wrote things like not smart enough, not a doctor, not pretty enough, I don't remember exactly what else I wrote, but those are some things that my inner critic has said to me in my life. 
And when you do this, when you, when you draw it and when you put it on paper, you can externalize it a little bit. And your inner critic starts to become more something that's a little bit less of an identifier. It's a little bit more outside of you. And then you can look at it and not even judge it or be mean to it, but just kind of see it or think about who does this sound like? Who does this remind me of? Right? Who's this voice remind me of? What does this image remind me of? Or the feeling that I get when I look at this image? What comes up for me with this inner critic and who this reminds me of? And again, you can start to distance yourself from it just a little bit more, which increases more possibility of like, well, maybe this isn't my own. And these spaces that you get to create become major leverage points in your transformation. They become major stepping stones on that bridge of getting to where you want to go, of getting to your point Z. So it's a really fun exercise. I invite you to do it, share it with your clients, have them do it. You might even have them do it at the very beginning of their journey when you're asking them, like, what are the things that are going to get in the way of your success? And then you can say, can you draw that? Can you draw the part of you that might engage in that? And if you've done parts work, you've been kind of probably saying, oh, that's parts work. And it is. In EMDR, they have something called conference table, which is a similar idea, right? This part of you, this this inner critic, this part of you, who are they? What do they look like? Because here's the thing, they're not going anywhere. That part of you needs to be heard and acknowledged. And so we can slow down the process a little bit through externalizing it, creating some differentiation, which is actually a big part of trauma healing is creating differentiation between things, between experiences, between meanings and having new experiences that open up new neural pathways and new access to possibility. So the other practice that could be really, really awesome for you and it's something that I did with one of my money coaches. I worked with, a, with several money coaches in my career. And one of them had us do this really fun exercise of taking yourself on a prosperity date. Talk about prosperous practice. Taking yourself out on a prosperity date. And it's whatever prosperity means for you. So maybe you have some extra cash and you're going to take yourself to like the Woodhouse Day Spa and get a delicious massage and a mani-pedi, right? Or maybe luxury is nature for you. And you're going to take a drive to Estes Park. I'm in Colorado. So this is like just pulling from what I would do or from what's around or, or some other glorious nature location and just take a walk there and breathe that gorgeous air and be with the trees and feel the energy coming off of the trees and have an, or just, even if you can't go somewhere, just counting the blades of grass right outside your door right? It's just, it's endless. Like it would take such a long time looking up at a tree and seeing the abundance of leaves. And if you can get with your spirit for a moment, right? Seeing that reflection, that hologram that's being reflected back to you of you are that. You are not separate from whatever makes the birds fly, the trees bloom, the flowers grow. Like you're not separate from any of that. 
And so your prosperity date might just be reflecting on how you are that. I like to do this with the stars sometimes because you are stardust. You are made of stardust. And so to close this up, I want to just take a couple of seconds just to reflect on my success, just to reflect on what's possible from someone who was so sick for so long, had a lifetime of symptoms and struggles and relationship issues and toxic patterns and disease. Oh my gosh. And hospital stays and itchy skin and constipation and insecurity and hating my body who is now running a delicious and thriving six-figure business, helping other people heal the same shit that I healed. Like I, I could cry sometimes with how grateful I am. And as I close this up, I want to invite you to say and repeat after me, if she can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. Yeah, you fucking can. Thank you for being here. I love you so much. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for joining me for this episode of the Prosperous Practice Podcast. To catch all the magic that's being offered here, I want you to subscribe to the show. Or if you want a weekly dose of wisdom in your email inbox as you evolve your wellness practice, sign up to receive my letters at rootyourradiance.com. Like all good things, this podcast creates space for a diverse range of voices to be heard. We share the mic and we work to lift these voices to create a higher standard of healthcare for the planet and for the future. To increase the voice of our community, please consider sharing this episode with a friend, a colleague, a loved one, or on your social media to keep this conversation going. And thanks to those who make this Prosperous Practice podcast so freaking special. Our wonderful music is by James Wilder, and Prosperous Practice is produced by Particulate Media. The ideas and inspiration come from beautiful humans like you that I truly feel so lucky to be in circuit with. Once again, I'm Laura Bautista. Take good care and be well. Until next time, bye for now. I'm sorry, I have like a hair. (laughs) I had to get that. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Where was I?